Hello and welcome to this episode of Speak PR. My name is Jim James and I'm your host. And I am pretty excited today because this is my Silver Jubilee. The 19th of June, 1995, I opened the offices for East West Public Relations. I'd arrived in Singapore on the 14th of June, 1995, having sold my house and quit my job and moved to Asia to start the agency. So here I am now, 25 years later, having opened the office in Singapore, spent 12 years there, and then opened an office in in China, Beijing, 2006, and then an office in Bangalore uh, in about 2009. And then now I have moved back to England uh, in 2019. So it's been an amazing journey over 25 years. And so I've opened four offices. And what I wanted to reflect on today in PR terms was what I've learnt from managing my own public relations and starting my own companies in those different countries, but also, of course, managing the PR for over 500 clients. Now, one of the recurring themes, I think, about international public relations, which I think is valuable because it's not just about the international nature, it's also about just communicating to different audience types. So when I've been living in Asia, I've lived in countries that are sort of religious and non-secular. And the first point that comes to mind is the importance of cultural sensitivities. Living in Southeast Asia, we are surrounded in Singapore by Muslim countries, for example, of uh, Indonesia. So, and uh, and the Philippines has a, a Catholic population. Malaysia, also Muslim. So the cultural sensitivities around, for example, shaking hands. We, we didn't shake hands. We would touch our heart uh, when we met people. The relationship between men and women was very different between foreigners, farang as we were called, and the locals was also different. Now, things have changed significantly since 1995, but the the need to respect the local cultures and the local dialect and the local religious mores is still very much in play. This is also true when I've done work in the Middle East. It meant that, for example, when I was working on a product uh, in Indonesia, it was um, the halal products. And the halal meant that they were uh, able to be consumed uh, by Muslim faith followers. And this was a a key point of difference because, in fact, this uh, cosmetic product was developed specifically for Indonesian and Malaysian women because of the ingredient mix. A second element, of course, are the languages and the variations between languages. Now, I mentioned Singapore. That country had decided after the race riots of the 1960s to make English as a national language under uh, Lee Kuan Yew. Now, I mentioned setting up an office in in Bangalore, and that was a very interesting uh, case because Actually, in the Indian uh, market, when it comes to things like banking, adopts English. But when it comes to public relations and, and other activities, there are 121 recognized languages, but some 1,500 different dialects. So the Hindi is the sort of main language with over 500 million speakers. But if one is working in southern India you may need a different language set to if you're working up in the north or to the west of India. So what we would find when we're doing press relations, you would need very much to have regional and local teams, 
not just for the practicalities, but actually for the translation into the different dialects. One of the nicest ways, perhaps, of looking at the difference in international variations is on Mother's Day and holidays. Now, often companies will use holidays as platforms for activities. Mother's Day actually doesn't happen on the same day around the world at all. Um, Mother's Day in Norway uh, is the second Sunday of February. Libya, it's March the 21st. In the UK, it's the fourth Sunday in Lent, which means that it changes every year, which is a great excuse for getting it wrong. Sunday was the second day in May, so fully a month after uh, the UK. Indonesia is the 22nd of December, and each country has got its own Mother's Day. Whilst we think about our own countries and our own cultures, when we're launching campaigns, public relations campaigns, even across our own markets, if you think about the UK and the number of dialects that we've got and even the, the languages like Welsh, for example, uh, one language does not necessarily fit all. Certainly that applies to humour, uh, but also possibly to anything with a religious implication or bent. So what I have um, been thinking about now is how we have got opportunities as companies to market ourselves internationally because technology is meaning that we can market to overseas clients, but also logistics has become global. And now we can buy things on Amazon or we can have things shipped in China, for example, uh, in through Taobao that come from over the world. So we've got global sourcing. And that means that there's a, an opportunity, but also a challenge as business owners to be both consistent globally or nationally, but also to respect local variations, varieties. Finally, I'd like to just highlight one that I like, which is that in the West, we have politicians who have grey hair and we think that that means wisdom. But in China, we have politicians who dye their hair so that they look young. So here's a classic example of how two different cultures approach the same class of people, but with different values. Uh, I thought that it might be an interesting opportunity to just share with you some insights about the China market. And to do that, I've asked a very special young man called Charles Yang in our Beijing office to share his insights on the Chinese media. Welcome to my channel. This is Charles from East West PR Agency. And today I'm going to talk about the media scene in China. In PR or in the marketing field, media has always been a very important part. In China, we basically have two types of medias. The first one is traditional media and the other one is social media. When we talk about traditional media, Someone might say that they are somehow like out of fashion, but I want to say traditional media is a very important news resource. We have a TV, we have a broadcast, we have newspapers and magazines for traditional medias. So basically they are like TV-based or paper-based media. With about 8 to 10 years of development, social media has been more and more popular in China. According to the 45th Statistical Report on Internet Development in China, 
released by China Internet Network Information Center, short for uh, CNNIC, by March 2020. The number of Chinese internet users has reached 904 million, with an internet penetration rate of 64.5%, and the number of mobile internet users has reached almost 900 million, with the proportion of mobile internet users reaching 99.3%. All the companies in China are using social media ways to get it noticed in China. For social media in China, basically we have uh, five categories. WeChat is the most important part. On WeChat, there are multiple functions we could use for social media. We have a subscription account, service account, enterprise account, and mini program. Also, we have moments, we have advertisement on WeChat. Almost all the companies in China and companies wants to enter China market has an uh, official account with verification probably, I think. And WeChat is the first step in social media and it is the very important one. Next, we may get the microblog platform. It's from Cine.com. It's somehow like the Twitter in the world, and we have microblog in China. Nowadays, we use microblog more like a window of a company. And the next searching engine. In China, there's no Google here. So we have Baidu, we have 360, we have Sogo searching engine. These are the biggest three searching engines in China. With searching engine, we could do uh, advertisement on it. We could do uh, searching engine management, like keyword speeding, and uh, we have a searching engine optimism, the SEO in short. Well, the last two categories have reached the fastest speed of growing in social media. They are uh, short videos and live streaming. For short videos, we have TikTok and Show. For live stream, they always come with e-business, like online shopping, for example, JD, Taobao, and Pinduoduo. After this special situation, I mean the coronavirus, many enterprises have found a new way of selling products by live streaming. They don't need to pay the rental fee. They don't need to do the decoration. What they need is only the presenter and the product. Many celebrities such as movie stars, singers, actors has been uh, doing live stream to help to promote products for enterprises. So that's the overall knowledge of media scene in China. Hope you can get something learned. So thank you, Charles. Yes, we absolutely did learn a great deal from you there. Now, it's not only going into China that is the opportunity for companies around the world. It's also the Chinese coming out of China. There are a, a growing number of Chinese companies that are looking for 
direct investment overseas, but obviously are partnering with companies at all stages of the of the supply chain. And it's also the tens of millions of Chinese that are going overseas now. Well, not just now because of COVID-19, but the growing trend, especially in ASEAN, but increasingly into Europe uh, has been the, the growth of the middle class Chinese tourists. And the application that they are looking at uh, is the Dajong Dianping. And uh, Dajong Dianping means basically public comments. And it's a bit like a trip advisor for the Chinese. So that has some four and a half million merchants and 310 million monthly active users. Now, as Charles was saying, the number of people on the internet in, in China is phenomenal. Remember, there are 1.4 billion people. But the other key statistic about China, as Charles mentioned, is the use of mobile phones. So with over 900 million mobile phone devices out there. It means that mobile apps and geography location specific apps, as I mentioned just on yesterday's podcast about Google My Business, means that being sensitive to and the opportunity arising from the mobile traveler is now more and more important. So the Dianping enables you to basically publish everything about your company in Chinese and this can be especially for things like restaurant reviews, hotels, sports and activities, leisure centers, obviously shopping for tourism and so on. Now, what's interesting about Dianping is that you can uh, start an account from overseas or companies like ours, East West, can help a client to set up an account and to populate it with, with video and all the things that one would expect to have for a consumer review site. Now, it was purchased in 2014 by Tencent. And in China, the three big companies are Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent. They call them the bat. And Tencent bought this Dianping because what they've enabled you to do is to post reviews on your WeChat and on your Dianping and have them go back and forth. So many companies are using WeChat for commerce because it is an integrated communication platform where people are sharing videos, photographs, either one-to-one or one-to-many in groups. But also they have mini programs and the mini programs are being used for shopping and for applications like delivery of food and for ordering your courier. So the final part with the Tencent WeChat is that it has payments as well. So from a PR point of view, what's amazing about this Dianping uh, integrated with WeChat is that really you're getting your consumer, uh, if it's an outbound traveler, all the way from their messaging and their sharing and their purchasing and then also placing their reviews and sharing those reviews in real time. This is a platform being used very heavily by uh, the Middle East, by the, um, by the tourism board of Dubai. So they're getting Chinese tourists to post pictures of themselves and to share those back home so that it would encourage other tourists to come and uh, come to the Middle East. So if you have a, a business that is going to be attracting people from overseas and that or companies from overseas it's important then to think about the cultural sensitivities the language sensitivities 
just the holiday sensitivities, the, the timing, if you like, there. And of course, there are issues like currency. But it's also then important to consider the platform, the the holy trinity here of you know Facebook and uh, and LinkedIn and Twitter don't don't translate in many markets of the world. So we have to also look at adopting different platforms. And those platforms are not only essential for going outbound, but also for attracting the inbound audience. So how do we address this complexity uh, as entrepreneurs and business owners? I think that the answer lies in simplicity. I talk in our Speak PR program about the need to storify, to personalize, to engage, to amplify and to know. Companies like Apple and Nike do, in my view, some of the best work here. They keep the brand essence simple, but then they allow the marketing to take place in country. So what you'll see is the, the brand essence is the same, but it'll be Chinese, for example, consumers, Chinese messaging, Chinese holidays that are all the key parts of the message. It's not localization of a Western message into an Asian market. I think the other thing that one has to do is to ensure that the message is simple too. In our press release recently, I wrote that we are everywhere virtually, uh, which in English seem to make sense and be nice. But for the team in China translating that, there are a number of different options that they could take. So as we build complexity into our message, the opportunity for miscommunication is magnified. So we're all the way back to WIO's law, which I've been talking about in earlier versions of the podcast. So simplicity really is the key. So I'd like to just leave you with a thought, which is when we come into our public relations, a man once said that if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. But if you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart. Of course, true words spoken by Nelson Mandela. And as we take his words and we think about public relations, the messaging that we have for our clients, for our staff and for our partners, we must communicate in a language that they understand, but also in a language that goes straight to their heart. So that wraps up this episode of Speak PR. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jim James. If you like this, please leave a rating or subscribe to our newsletter at eastwestpr.com. In the meantime, I wish you fantastic health, a profitable business, and that you keep on communicating.